BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is a personal icon, uh, legend, uh, legend. She's just a legend. She um, has done so many different things in her career, continues to be this effervescent, gorgeous goddess amongst humans. It's Vanessa Williams. We're going to talk about uh, Miss America, her time on Broadway, her continuing time on Broadway. We're going to talk about Ugly Betty, her work with many other famous, iconic people. And of course, we're going to get into Queen of the Universe, which has season two uh, either coming out or it's out. But it's out there and she's on it. Listen to me talk to one of my favorite people in existence, Vanessa Williams, for the very first time. That's what this show's all about. It's hijinks today on hijinks. So buckle up, hunker down, sink your teeth into some brand new hijinks. How's that for an opener? M. Oh. M. Mom. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by actress, singer, dancer, author, and she is back as a judge for the second season of Queen of the Universe, season to it's Miss Vanessa Williams. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Jinx. So this is okay. There are moments in my life where uh, <laughs> through my career and the blessings I have received, I get to meet someone that I never in a million years fathom that I'd get to have a conversation with. This is one of those moments. If I seem nervous at all, it's just because I I bow down to thee. I pray at your altar. You are a goddess on earth. Um, we have so much we can talk about. I don't even know where to begin. Um, but I think I want to begin at, you know, kind of the beginning and just get it out of the way. Um, I was reading in my notes when you were born, <laughs> your birth certificate read, here she is, Miss America. And this was like a prophecy at your birth, because as we all know, you won Miss America and you were the first African-American contestant to win Miss America. You also suffered a bit of a um, misogynist 
backlash to you having autonomy over your own body and your own sexuality. And it took them years before they finally apologized to you, but they did in 2016. So in your words, how about all of that? (laughs) (laughs) All in a nutshell. Uh, Well, thank you for the question. Uh, (laughs) and, And yes, when my mother, when I was born and my mother was sending out the birth announcements back in the day, you'd get them in the mail and you'd see the name and the size and the weight. Uh, it had a little baby carriage and it said, here she is, Miss America in 1963. <laughs> Who would have known that that actually would happen 20 years later in 83 when I became the first black Miss America. So that was crazy. Uh, and talking about prophecy, that is very woo woo. So um, <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. And that was also one of those things where, you know, I grew up in New York. Both my parents were music teachers. I wanted to be on Broadway. So like being a beauty queen was not something that I was groomed to be and was a little miss this, that, whatever. It was kind of Mm -hmm. like I fell into it after my sophomore year when I was at Syracuse majoring in musical theater. And um, I had some extra time free at the end of the year. Uh, I had been kind of scouted on, um, you know, on campus because they had seen me in all these productions and like, would you be in the Miss Local Greater Syracuse pageant? And I blew it off for months. And then at the end of the year, I said, Mom, do you think I should do this? And she's like, is there scholarship money? I was like, yeah, <laughs> well, then do it. Because I always got scholarship monies, uh, you know, in the previous year. So, you know, it it happened within six months from Syracuse to New York to Miss America within from April to September. I won the whole thing. So it's crazy how life is just you wonder, is it fate? Was it meant yeah. to be or is it just happenstance and kind of going on this whimsical journey of life? Um, and, and yes, uh, after 10 months of my reign as Miss America, um, I had like a month left of, um, uh, appearances to go in a two week vacation and, uh, a photographer that I had worked on as a summer gig, uh, back when I was in, in, in high school and, and summer, you know, you get a summer job yeah. and I worked at this local modeling registry, which should have been the key work as it wasn't an agency, it was a registry. And I was mm-hmm. doing makeup for people to get their portfolios to become models and uh, this particular photographer who I was working for in the summer said, you know, um, I'd love to to shoot you and, you know, nobody will see them, blah, blah, blah. I didn't sign any release, whatever. So he ended up selling those photographs to or shopping them around while I was Miss America. Mm. And a lot of people passed because there was no release. But Bob Guccione, who was the owner of Pentest magazine, said, I'll take them. And that's kind of what happened my final final month of my reign. And uh, it was a huge, huge scandal. Uh, again, I look back, I was 21 years old. And I, I think, yeah, I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm mother of four now. I look back at how young that really is uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a human being dealing with anxiety, stress, shame, judgment. And Mm -hmm. I I think like, how did I make it through? And I I look back with the wisdom that I have now. And I said, well, I kind of knew who I was crazily enough. And I knew what talent I had. And I just trusted that I had the support of my family, the support of all my friends that had been in shows with me that knew what I could do and knew that I would have an opportunity to one day show my real stuff. It took a long time. It took many 
attempts. It took a lot of judgment. A lot of people wanted to come and see me just so they could say, oh my God, I saw that Vanessa Williams. I had her in as auditioning for this, that. Got a lot of crappy offers, but there were the people that would allow me to have a chance and take a chance on me. And those are the ones, those little increments of success help just tick off the boxes and make you a success. That is incredible. There's there's so much to talk about here. I want to... Um... I want to point out a few things that really stood out to me. Okay, so Rue is always talking about, um, you know, when the universe opens a path for you, you know, it might not be the exact path you saw for yourself. You know, you were kind of talking about that, like, your goal was to be a musical theater actor. The universe opened this pageant route for you. And you must have realized, okay, I could use one to get to the other. I could, one could support the other. And, you know, I definitely was always open-minded to, I knew I wanted a career in entertainment, but I just went every avenue that opened up because I'm like, one of these things is going to be the thing, you know? Um, Then to hear how your, your career was manipulated by men and, and yeah, the, the, you know, kind of like puritanical backlash you faced and, um, and the fact that it took till 2016 for them to kind of acknowledge, Hey, you know, it reminds me a lot of, you know, the Janet Jackson, um, wardrobe malfunction, you know, yeah, Nipplegate. And we've since talked about it. Um, you know, like here's this quote unquote wardrobe malfunction and Justin Timberlake had, you know, like walked away from that just completely unscathed. But Janet Jackson, who for whatever reason had her breast exposed by someone else, she was like turned into a pariah because of the, you know, the mainstream media's attitude towards female sexuality. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so really like your career is a really early example of the whole dichotomy of the, the virgin whore model that um, mainstream media pushes women through. And you're really a pioneer for breaking that down and being that success story of someone who didn't let that stop you, like you said, making these incremental steps. And now we know you as Vanessa fucking Williams. Um, I, it's just really, it's really incredible to hear your point of view with that story. And as a hard left turn, I want to talk about, um, I think a very significant moment post Miss America, which was, um, you playing the witch in the revival in Into the Woods. I know this was extremely significant for me as that's one of my favorite musicals. I loved your rendition of the witch. I love, this is a musical theater question I want to ask that I don't know who else will be interested in, but I've always wanted to ask this. So the song Our Little World was Mm -hmm. in the original London production as the show was being developed. It was not in the first original Broadway production with Bernadette Peters, but they did put it back in for your revival. And I'd love to know if there's a story behind that. 
the story is that I heard it and mm-hmm. I said, I would love to do this. And uh, I pitched a doing kind of a pas de deux, a lovely dance because I dance and I wanted to do uh, a, a dance with my daughter because I wanted to kind of, you know, Rapunzel plays the daughter of the witch mm-hmm. in the show for people that don't know Into the Woods. Spoilers. So, <laughs> yeah. so we did this beautiful dance with I'm holding her her long braid and dealing with her braid and dancing with her braid while I'm singing our little world is good, is big enough for two. It's perfect. And trying to seduce her, showing her that the world with me would be a, a safe, better place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I loved it. So that was me pleading with Steve Sondheim and James Lapine and they, they went for it. <laughs> I love that it was added back in because, you know, without that song, you don't see any, uh, you only kind of see the hostage situation. <laughs> and you yes. don't see, like, Rapun- Rapunzel becomes a more two-dimensional character without that song in the show because it's a bigger choice for her to want to leave the tower and and be with her prince if she does have some kind of positive relationship right. with the witch. And that's you know? that's the safe space that, sh- that the witch is trying to say, it's a safe space with me. I've got you covered. The world will never come and destroy you. So yeah. you see her pleading in that that area as opposed to being one-dimensional. And I completely agree. So I'm glad yeah. you like that addition. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. Into the Woods is one of my favorite musicals. Sondheim is a, definitely my favorite composer. Um, and I remember, you know, uh, it was a it was a big thing when you played this role. Um, not just because, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. for, that's me singing happy birthday to Steve on oh. his 80th birthday when we did uh, Sondheim and Sondheim on uh, on Broadway. I love yeah. that. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I've got a ton of Steve memorabilia. Plus, I don't know if you can see in the back, that's me uh, playing the witch. That's the doll that yeah. uh, was made as, as me as the witch. And I have one right here I'm, I'm, i know this is no one can see this but this is uh me and in, in uh in kiss of the uh, kiss of the spider woman that's my gimme love doll i love it <laughs> so um can you tell us a little bit about reviving such you know stephen sondheim being like the shakespeare of musical theater it's a big deal anytime uh, I think a Sondheim musical gets revived on Broadway. And I I feel like it was a big deal, not just because the role had previously been played by Bernadette Peters, who's also a big Broadway diva, but, you know, it was at a time, and I, I, I don't, <laughs> it, it's still very much like this. Of course, progress is being made all the time, but it was at a time where Broadway was very, very whitewashed. So for you to play a lead female role in a highly anticipated revival where the role wasn't written, you know, to be a black woman. Like it was written with Bernadette Peters in mind and then you're playing it in the revival. Well, for, for some Broadway history, actually, Bernadette came <laughs> second. Oh, she came second? Betty, <laughs> oh, Be- wow. Betty Buckley was doing the Out of Town in San Diego. Okay. Betty Buckley was fired. Bernadette came in. and that's So this is like a Sunset Boulevard it. situation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Bernadette ended up coming and doing it in San Diego and then they brought it to New York. So she was 
number two, not only number two choice, but number two uh, in the witch slot. And then when I first saw it, I saw, I was living out in LA. So I saw Cleo Lane do the witch. Mm-hmm. That is uh, one of my friends, um, Tracy Katz from Syracuse, who I went to school with. She was playing Little Red. So I saw her at the Amundsen. So I had already seen a number of witches. Oh, yeah. Actually, by the time I got the chance to do it. Oh, yeah? Thank you for schooling me. That's a life <laughs> dream come true. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, you have done a lot of notable TV acting work. Um, Of course, we need to talk about um, Ugly Betty. But before we do, I want to talk about something a little bit more recent that was just a really special thing. Um, Being a musical theater fan and a huge fan of the show Broad City, um, (laughs) you playing that like sugar mama Dom, CEO, femme boss bitch <laughs> with a lot of glazer. And you deliver my favorite line where you go, she has salad fingers. <laughs> and then we get to hear you later um, doing a reprise of Alana's song, I shit. <laughs> and I was like, they got Vanessa Williams to sing I shit in the bathroom. And I was just, it was such a, a lovely episode for that reason. <laughs> I, I miss that show so much. It was so innovative. And that's the wonderful thing about, you know, cable back in the day where you didn't, it wasn't on network. TV, but they got a chance to really be broad as Broad City and be so innovative. There were such incredible writers and such freedom on that set. Um, And I think I got Amy Poehler was the one who she was one of the executive producers. And she's the one who called and said, we'd love to have you on the show. And when Amy (laughs) calls, you go. And I was just so happy to to be a part of an incredible cast. And, And the writing was amazing. Oh yeah, it was. It, it's one of uh, one of the episodes I think I referenced the most because of your cameo in it, and you look gorgeous. And I love the queer sensibility of Broad City because it's it's um, it's two females, but they in many ways are just two gay men and female bodies <laughs> um, for all the best reasons. Yeah. Uh, you were also on Ugly Betty. Um, which is uh, prime time. It's almost like a comedic soap opera, prime time uh, comedy drama. And you yeah. play like a Disney villainess in it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And it was, um, you know, I look back and it was ahead of its time. I mean, our first, mm-hmm. our first season, we were already talking about Rebecca Romain comes in as a trans person. We're talking nine. 19- it was 2006 was yeah. our when we started shooting. So all of these um, themes that are now um, 
kind of, uh, you know, popular and, and part of our American lexicon, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sylvia Horta, who was our creator, introduced these all uh, in the very beginning. So it was great to be part of an innovative, you know, a little background on Ugly Betty. We were supposed to be a Friday night show that ABC was just kind of one of those Friday nights for gals that are have nothing to do and are watching <laughs> TV at home. And we got such great, our pilot got such great press from the critics that when we were doing our our um, our TCAs, our Television Critics Association luncheon and our tables, and the critics would come up to us and say, you know, you're really the best thing that they've got this season. And they pushed us uh, up front on Thursday nights with Grey's Anatomy being, you know, mm-hmm. our amazing uh, a partner. And that's kind of what gave us the the check to be considered family entertainment. And that's gave, that really gave us, you know, instead of being brushed aside, um, we were like the little engine that could like, okay, well, they're lucky. (laughs) Okay. We got them Thursday nights. Okay. Then when we got the golden globe and all of a sudden we're like, okay, this is going to be a hit for us. So it was at that little engine that could that like, there is an audience just wait. When I did the pilot, I was like, wow, that's fun. It'll never get picked up, but that was a lot of fun. (laughs) And then, cause there was nothing on it. Like there was nothing about fashion. There was nothing with our dialogue. Ta- you know, I could say tranny back then and it was okay. And no, there was no people like up in arms. That yeah. was just part of the lexicon that we could introduce on, on ABC. So we were really ahead of our time. Yeah. It's always interesting going back and watching some of those shows when the language was different and when different things were considered acceptable. And, and it's like, you watch it now and you're like, oh, I can't believe they said this. But watching it back then was, oh my gosh, they're finally talking about our community. Like, you know, and it was like, of course, we now refer to that word as the T-slur, but back then to even hear people acknowledging that we exist on mainstream television yeah. was a big deal. To see America Ferreira as the lead character was a big deal. Michael Yuri as your um, assistant. Uh, well, you, you know the Michael Yuri story. Michael, yes, he yeah. was on the podcast and he talked about how you were his champion <laughs> yeah. and how he would have been like a one-line throwaway role if it hadn't been for you and him having good chemistry and you advocated for him to stick around and then he became a mainstay character. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was brilliant. You couldn't deny. I was like, this guy is amazing. Yeah. And he would do stuff that was not, but was beyond on the page. He, you know, I'm sure he told you, but you know, we were doing, he was giving me Botox and I'm in my lounger. <laughs> and uh, so while we were rehearsing, he said, is it okay if I pretend that there's leftover and you give it to me? I said, sure. So we did the scene and there was a little bit, and he's like, can I? I said, go right ahead. And he's like, can we tape up my eyebrows so I get one but not the other? I mean, all these little bits that were completely spontaneous and he was so good. So we loved working off of each other. Yeah. Oh, it's such a cool story too. And um, yeah, I I think I hadn't watched um, Ugly Betty until the pandemic when it was like, okay, what's every TV show I I, I missed? <laughs> you know, because you used to have to watch TV on a schedule yes. and now you can watch basically anything at any point. <laughs> but um, so uh, it was a wonderful show. It had um, lots of examples of 
uh, representation before that was a conversation we were actively having. And then, you know, flash forward to today, you are a judge on <laughs> the first ever all drag singing competition. Yes. And um, you are a judge alongside my friends, Michelle Visage and mm -hmm. Trixie Mattel. And then this season, um, season two, you have Mel B as the fourth. Uh, yes. judge and then Graham Norton hosts. Yes. Let's talk about this before you won celebrity drag race. And before yes. you started <laughs> judging on, um, queen of the, the universe, what was your interaction with the drag community? Well, I had known Rue for years. Um, I probably met him, uh, in the eighties, did his radio show in the nineties, uh, so always loved him. And he, of course, uh, really defined um, an era and made drag popular. Um, mm. So um, um, and also growing up in New York, I mean, Lady Bunny, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I was born in 63. I lived through the 80s and 90s. I, I'm in, actually in the process of doing a um a, uh, a new album. And there's one song that I'm talking about that really is a tribute to my friends that I lost during the AIDS crisis, yeah. which, you know, I mean, I had five people from my first wedding in 87 that passed away from AIDS. I yeah. mean, so it's not something that is like, you know, skated over lightly in my past and in my, yeah. my, my career. So, um, so drag was part of, uh, part of New York in the day. Um, and, um, and then also seeing Rue become this megastar, uh, the, the, the next time we worked together was when he did an episode of Ugly Betty, mm -hmm. uh, when we were, we shot it at, uh, the box. Sorry, I've got two giant dogs that oh, uh, are loud. you got two Great Danes. It's in my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh my, so, sorry. Can we, can, can we edit this out or? Uh... Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, because I can close the door. No, no, no. We like it raw and real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So growing up in, in New York, uh, for sure, drag queens were part of the club scene and just part of life. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the first time I worked with Rue was when we did, um, he was the MC, <clears throat> MC of one of our, when Wilhelmina has a, uh, a, a drag double and it ended up being, my brother ended up playing my drag double. <laughs> Will, Willa Diva Hater. He, that's who he played. So, uh, <laughs> so that's the last time I worked with, with Rue, um, uh, on, on television. And then of course, when Rue calls, I'm always there. Yeah. Um, so what, <laughs> um, what has it been like, uh, having, you know, having been a competitor in your career and then we know about the competition, uh, just being a female in the industry, what's it like now stepping into the position of judge and giving feedback to young hopefuls? Do you get off on the power? Um, <laughs> is it, uh, <laughs> is it nerve wracking for you in any way? Um, what's it like? And, and how obnoxious is Trixie on set? <laughs> um, she's hilarious. Her one-liners yeah. are incredible. Um, you know, I just recently saw her this fall sell out Radio City Music Hall. Uh, 
And I was like, when I saw her backstage, do you realize you sold out Radio City Music Hall, bitch? I mean, that's major. I grew up in New York going to see the Rockettes, the Christmas show, the Easter mm -hmm. show, and you sold it out. So be proud of that. Um, so being a judge, I, I love it because since it's a live uh, singing competition, I get a chance to judge them on their voice, their technique, their star quality. And if they're reacting and, and really playing to the audience, I mean, we can give them tips, but they really have to make the audience vote for them. Uh, yeah. I let Trixie do drag and Michelle, yeah. of course, does drag. So anyone who comes out with green, she's got an issue with, but <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't realize until uh, sitting next to Trixie. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a I think it's a great combo. Uh, we love each other. We're great friends. And we all have our different like specialties. And then Mel B, uh, adding her in the mix, she's been doing so many competition shows that she's a great judge because she never uh, has a loss for words and is always out of her seat. And uh, uh, she definitely brought a different dynamic to season two this year. Yeah. I love that it's an all-femme judging panel. Um, I love Graham Norton as the host. He's a sweetheart. And I love, um, I love, you know, showing that drag is the art form or the medium with which we express our talents. But, you know, drag queens, like you were saying about Trixie selling out Radio City Music mm -hmm. Hall. That is because she's she's a drag queen who is also a hilarious comedian, also uh, uh, an incredible musician, an incredible performer. So it's like, you know, I love you mentioning the star power because there's a lot of things that can be taught and learned and you can learn technique. But there's also just like you got to have that like innate drive and passion for it. It's not enough just to want to be the best. You got to put the work in and, and put in the dedication to be the best. It's, and it doesn't That's all come down to who's the prettiest, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or in this case, who's the best singer. I mean, we had some shockers in season one when Ada Vox came out and opened yeah. her mouth, we were like, Oh my God, who is going to top her? Cause she's yeah. killing it every time. And as the episodes went on and the, as the competition went on and we, you know, again, we're not voting every time you realize that, oh, it's not just about the voice. It's about it's about star quality. It's about, uh, you know, uh, showing your best, you know, sides. And maybe it's not about being the best technical singer. It's your song choice. Did mm -hmm. you sing the best song that really highlights your best, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, and again, at the end, we never know actually who wins because they crown two Queens. Mm -hmm. So they leave it. So there's no spoilers. So they leave it up to, you know, which is so that. fun to live with for a year. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Vanessa, um, I have one big question I want to ask you uh, as a theater person. Yes. Um, so you've played The Witch in Into the Woods. You've played many um, Broadway roles. You've played many singing roles in television and film. But at this point in your life, what would be your next Broadway dream role? I've got a couple things in development. Oh, yeah? Uh, yes. And uh, one is about a showgirl 
uh, in, in a, in the forties. Uh-huh. And, uh, one is about a mysterious gal who shows up, uh, but also can sing and dance, um, <laughs> again, in, in a retro time period. So one has to be written, one has to be adapted. Uh-huh. Uh, but it would be, I, I love playing period pieces, uh, because yeah. the costumes are great. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen anything this season on Broadway, but you've got some like it's hot, you've got, you know, New York, New York, all those amazing costumes and, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that feel of, of elegance. Um, I, I love to jump into, so they haven't been done on Broadway, but hopefully they will be done within the next five to 10 years. Um, but the run role that I, always love to do, which I'm way too old for, is Anita and West Side Story. I mean, it doesn't get spicier than that. That'll never happen, but it's one of my favorite roles. Have you given thought to playing Mama Rose? Is that something you would see in your future? Is that a part that... um, I, I only ask because I feel like it's one of those, like... Uh, rites of passage for so many Broadway yeah. divas. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, I I did a little bit of her when I did Sondheim and Sondheim in 2010, and I sang a song called um, um, "Smile, Smile," and it was very uh, talking about the young kids who you got to get out there and sell it, kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was me. That and that show was cut from Gypsy again. Another show. Another song that was cut working with Steve. And I said, please, uh-huh. can I do this? So <laughs> I did smile. Um, and of course I saw Patti Lapone do it with uh, Laura Benanti. And it was just the best production that I had seen. So I don't know. I would love to do it, but I don't know whether, um, you know, that and also um, MAME. That's another one that people oh, yeah. have kind of thrown out there. Would I want to do it? Uh, again, it would have to be the right take. Uh, of being a woman in color, where what age are we doing it? What 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 does the world look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll have to see. But I love those strong broads. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. Do do you do you have someone in mind to play your Vera if you were playing Mame? Oh, I don't know. There's so many talented. Uh, I don't know. If I said off the top of my head. Oh, who's a good lush? <laughs> I mean, Leslie Critcher cracks me up. She's one of my favorite. <laughs> Leslie is one of my favorite comedic bro- musical theater gals. Leslie yeah. Critzer out there. She could do anything. Um, Vanessa Williams, Miss Vanessa Williams. <laughs> I have some compulsory questions that I ask every guest. Okay. You're allowed to answer them however you want. Okay. But before I ask them, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for this lovely conversation. Remind everyone um, to watch season two of Queen of the Universe. We've talked about a lot of um, different projects Vanessa's been on. So go down a binging rabbit hole <laughs> and um, become yeah. an even bigger fan of Vanessa Williams than you were before yeah. you listened Thank today. You. Look, look for new music. I'll have new music out by the end of the year. Luckily, I'll hopefully have a single single out and uh, yeah, Paramount plus has been very good to me. <laughs> and where can my listeners find you online? Um, well, uh, when you're talking about when the music comes out or like, are you on Instagram? Are you just at Vanessa oh, yeah. Williams? 
I am uh, Vanessa Williams official on Instagram. Same thing with uh, Facebook, if anyone does it, and <laughs> Twitter. I'm not off Twitter yet, but I, I'm not really active on it. Uh, that yeah. dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> Vanessa, feel free to answer these questions however you want. First question is, who's your celebrity crush today? Ooh. Um, geez. Uh, who is my celebrity crush? Um, who's hot? I'm just, <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to think of what I'm watching now. I just finished watching Succession. I just finished watching Ted Lasso. Um, um, this question does really stress some people out. I gotta it say, does, there's, there's not one that comes top top of mind. Uh, you know what uh, I would say, and I got a chance to do. Uh, I did City of Angels and, and the West End, and we got closed down because of um, of, of COVID. But mm -hmm. we were in previews, and um, Theo James, who was in the last version of White Lotus, and he did show his piece. Uh, he played Cameron. <laughs> so for all those gals who know Cameron, who was the hot husband on White Lotus, I would say Theo James is my celebrity crush. Awesome. I love that. My celebrity crush today is Shuji Gatwa. He was on Sex Education. He's the new doctor yes. in Doctor Who. He just popped into my mind because I was missing him. Uh <laughs> I love Sex Education. Yeah. It was such a good series. Yeah. Um, I worked with him on Doctor Who recently, and he is just the sweetest, kindest, most um, uh, charming man and he was just poured into his pants. His ass looked like it was going to rip through his 60s um, <laughs> trousers at any moment. Anyway, um, next question is, are you spiritual? Yes, I am. Um, yes, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for a token, but yes, I, I have a, an amazing meditation group that I do twice a week. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I find that, the older you get, the more wisdom you have, um, the easier it is to go inside and find that peace, that ease, that health and happiness, which is what it's all about. Just mm -hmm. being connected and being grounded. And uh, that's what it's all about. You know, between what you just said and the fact that your office is full of artifacts and mementos, I'd venture to say you practice a lot of tenets of witchcraft, whether you do it <laughs> consciously or not. <laughs> yeah. um, my final question for you is, and I love asking this question to musical theater people, but what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, karaoke? Yeah. Um, it's... Um... Uh, Joker, Steve Miller. Uh, it's it's because I'm a '70s rock child, and uh, some people call me a space cowboy. Yeah, some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. So I love that. I'm a, I'm a grinner. I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. So I just love it's it's 
easy. It's rock and roll. That or probably a B-52 song, which is, you know. B-52s, that's one of my go-tos. <laughs> Me and my music partner, we both, our first like connection was B-52s. And so we always sing like Love Shack or Good Stuff um, or Rock Lobster. Rock at, Lobster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did it once in Birmingham, England. And I guess uh-huh. the B-52s aren't as big in the UK, but we're used to like singing Love Shack and it brings yeah. the whole house down. Yeah. In Birmingham, we sung it and it was like crickets. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I had one thing in my notes I forgot to bring up. So I'm just going to close out congratulating you on grandmotherhood, Mumsy. Um, it was you. in my notes that you really would love to talk about being a grandmother. Um, so is this a new <laughs> is this a new journey in your life? Uh it's amazing. My my grandson is uh 15 months old now and uh it's like reliving my my being a mom again because I see mm-hmm. him and I see my daughter in him and uh, it's just the best. So I look forward to just teaching him and showing him the world and uh, exploring an adventure. I- I'm the grandmother that's like, I have a backpack. I'm like, let's go for an adventure. And when then we're <laughs> off and he loves it. And we listen to our latest soundtrack is The Jungle Book, and I just throw my iPhone on, put up my speaker, and we listen to the score, and he loves it. So I love it's the it. best. Yes. Uh, yeah. My I've watched my mom really have a lot of fun being a grandma with my niece, and um, I realize it's like you get the fun parts of parenting, and yes. then you hand them off. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> well, congratulations. It was Thank so you. lovely talking to you today. Um, can't wait to see all the many ways in which you grace our television screens, our our many various screens and stages in the years to come. Thanks Thank so much, you. Vanessa. Thank Have you, Jinx. You too. <laughs> And thank you all so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hijinks wherever you get your podcast listening done. <laughs> I'm at the Jinx on Instagram, at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, except for TikTok. I'm at official Jinx Monsoon on TikTok. We'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx! M. Oh. M. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.